We're starting a new series this evening called Jesus is the Subject. Because the world tends to focus on Jesus two times a year, Christmas and Easter. And even those times are quickly being taken over by more playful characters like Easter Bunny and Santa Claus. But for us as a church, as believers, as followers of Christ, we need to keep Jesus as the subject, not just twice a year, but every day of our lives. Well, how do we keep Jesus the subject? Hebrews 12, starting in verse 1, says it this way. Therefore, since we also have such a large, large cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that lies before us, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the source and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that lay before him endured a cross and despised the shame and has sat down at the right hand of God's throne. Keeping our eyes on Jesus. He's the source. He's the perfecter of our faith. And we keep our eyes on Jesus by becoming more and more like him. Ephesians 4.15. We will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of the body, the church. We become more and more like Christ by imitating him, by doing the things that he did. Ephesians 5.1 says, Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children. Peter said it this way in 1 Peter chapter 2. For God called you to do good, even if it means suffering, just as Christ suffered for you. He is your example, and you must follow in his footsteps. 1 Corinthians 11.1 1, And you should imitate me just as I imitate Christ. Those were Paul's words. And then John, in 1 John 2, 6, Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. Now we could go all night just with verses telling us to imitate Christ. But I think you get the point. <laughs> Several years ago, there was a great movement in the church, and it was known by the initials WWJD. What would Jesus do? It was a great way to get people to think about their actions in light of what Jesus would do. Except that we put ourselves on the side of authority there, wondering what Jesus would do. We put the concept of right and wrong back on our human infallibility. And quite frankly, we are really, really good at justifying and talking ourselves into things, whether they're right or wrong. Maybe a better title for it would have been WDJD. What did Jesus do? We have a whole book that tells us exactly what Jesus did. We don't have to guess what he would do. We just have to know what he did for us. So over the next five weeks, what we're going to do is we're going to work at keeping Jesus the subject. As we look to Jesus as the author and the perfecter of our faith, as we look to him to imitate him in all we do, we're going to be studying the character of Jesus. 
so that we know what to imitate. Then we don't have to ask, what would Jesus do? Because we'll know what he did. Because his character wouldn't allow anything else. And if he lives in us, then his character must live in us as well. So tonight, we start making Jesus the subject by looking at our priorities and our purpose. Everything has a purpose. It's our end goal. It's what drives us. It's what motivates us. We build a house for the purpose of shelter. We work for the purpose of sustaining ourselves. Everything and everyone has purpose. And Jesus knew his purpose. In fact, his parents knew his purpose before he was even born. An angel appears to Joseph in a dream and says, She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. In Jesus' lifetime, he restates his purpose over and over. In Luke chapter 9, when he saw Zacchaeus, when he went to Zacchaeus' home, he says, For the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. When the Pharisees started complaining about the company that he was keeping, he told them this, It is not those who are healthy who need a physician, but those who are sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire compassion and not sacrifice, for I do not come to call the righteous, but sinners. He restated his purpose once again to Nicodemus when he said, God sent his son into the world not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. Notice it was God's purpose for Jesus. God established his purpose. God the Father sets our purpose as well. Jesus' priorities had to line up with his purpose in order for that purpose to be fulfilled. His priorities not only helped him fulfill his purpose, but they pointed him back to his purpose each and every time. He came to seek the lost, and that's exactly what he did. He was deliberate, he was intentional in going out of his way to be a friend to the friendless, bring healing to the broken, and embrace the outcasts. Just a few examples. The Samaritan woman at the well. The woman caught in adultery. The blind beggar that we talked about a couple weeks ago. Bartimaeus. The man who he had cast a legion of demons out of, or the man that could now see because Jesus wiped mud on his eyes. And let's not forget the very men that he chose as his disciples. There was Matthew, who was the tax collector. And then there were Peter, Andrew, James, and John, who were fishermen. This was certainly not the social elite group that would normally be found learning from a rabbi. The examples of Jesus setting his priorities to his purpose are numerous. One of his other priorities was maintaining his connection to the Father. He knew how important that connection was. He knew his soul needed rest, and it was crucial to his purpose. So he made it a priority. John 6, starting in verse 14. After the people saw the sign Jesus performed, they began to say, Surely this is the prophet who has come into the world. Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew again to a mountain by himself. 
Luke 5.16 says, But Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. Again, his priorities were lining up with his purpose. There was no doubt about what his purpose was. When people looked at his life and the priorities that he lived by, it was clear what mattered most to him because priorities and purpose lined up. So what's our purpose? What's your purpose? Most of us probably didn't have an angel visit our parents before we were born. And ta-da, your child's going to be named this, and this is what they're going to do. Not happening to most of us. But when you wake up in the morning, what drives you? When you get to work or when you get to school, what makes you want to excel at everything you do? Are you motivated by a childhood dream? Are you trying to live up to someone else's expectations? Does your purpose for your life revolve around making money? The old adage, the one who dies with the most toys wins. Is your purpose to have as much fun as possible? Or maybe your purpose is about being popular, being well-liked, being known. None of these motivators are necessarily bad. But if your whole purpose for living, your life's exhausting. And what's even worse is those purposes are going to leave you feeling empty, kind of like cotton candy, all taste and no substance. But the good news for every one of us is that God has a purpose for us. If you have breath in your lungs, you have a purpose. God's first purpose for you is that you'll have a personal relationship with him. It's not enough to just know about Jesus. He wants you to actually know him. And if you have accepted Jesus as your Savior, if you've accepted his gift of grace and salvation and made him Lord of your life, then you have another purpose. Isaiah 43, 7 says this, Bring all who claim me as their God, for I have made them for my glory. It is I who created them. 2 Corinthians 5.20 says it this way. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. Each of us is divinely appointed to represent him and his kingdom while we walk through this world. Do you you recognize the freedom in that for us? No matter what circumstance you find yourself in, no matter what situation you find yourself in that's beyond your control, your job is to simply point back to Jesus and respond in a way that glorifies him and honors him. Knowing that our purpose is to represent him, The next question we need to ask ourselves is, do our priorities line up with our purpose? There was enough evidence for Jesus to be convicted because his priorities lined up with his purpose. Is there enough evidence to convict you? Are you one of those Christians that fills up a seat in church on the weekend but is the first to gossip at work Monday through Friday? 
Or maybe you're the one complaining about the long line and slow baristas at Starbucks. Or complaining about the slow cashiers at Publix. There's a trend of downloading and streaming movies and music without paying for it. I've heard people say, well, that's okay because I didn't record the movie. I didn't hack the system that shows me these movies for free. I'm just watching the movie. Someone else actually committed the crime. That's like saying, I didn't steal the TV from the store officer. I just drove my friend home so he had a place to put it. You're guilty by association. Your hands are still dirty. Don't be fooled. If it isn't yours and you didn't pay for it, yet you took it anyway, it's called stealing. Last time I checked, thou shalt not steal was still one of the Ten Commandments. It's a sin. Maybe you're one of those Christians with the I love Jesus bumper sticker or the Jesus fish on the back of your car, but you're the first one to honk when the light is green for two seconds. Or you're the one weaving in and out of traffic because you have somewhere to be right now. God has a bigger plan for you and me. He has a better purpose for us, but we have to get our priorities straight. We do that by seeking first the kingdom of God. Matthew 6.33 Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need we need to seek the things of God as a priority over the things of the world it means that we're to seek the salvation of God that's available through Jesus Christ because it's of greater value than anything else when we seek first the kingdom it means that there's a difference in our attitude towards worldly things it means God's business is a priority for us Seeking his salvation, living in obedience to him, and sharing the good news of the kingdom with others. And getting our priorities right means seeking things that are eternal. Colossians 3, starting in verse 1. Therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are here on earth. Are you pursuing worldly things? trying to accumulate material possessions, chasing after worldly activities that will mean nothing as you pass from this world to the next. Jesus told his disciples not to store up for themselves treasures on earth, but lay up your treasure in heaven. Owning things, doing worldly activities is not bad, but when they become the priority over God, then your priorities are messed up. Parents, we especially have an added responsibility as far as priorities go. The word is clear about our responsibility in raising our children to know God, to witness God at work in our lives. Moses gave this message to the Israelites in Deuteronomy 6. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road, when you're going to bed and when you're getting up. When we commit ourselves wholeheartedly, it's not just words on a paper. 
It's evident in our actions. It's God as our number one priority showing in our actions. It's our love for God consuming us in such a way we can't contain it. And it's these actions or lack of actions that our children are watching. I read to you earlier Ephesians 5.1. Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do because you are his dear children. It works the same way with us for our children. Whatever character you model for your kids is the same character that they're going to pick up and imitate. If you teach him about God, but he isn't really the priority in your life, you're not going to raise godly children. When my son turned 18, he thought he could be his own boss. I'm an adult now, he said. He was in control of his own destiny. He didn't have to follow our rules anymore. However, he still lived at home. So he decided that church was no longer his thing. He could use his time much better if he slept in on Sunday mornings. So he told us that he was taking a stand and he was no longer going to church. Well, Jay and I decided to take a stand as well. So we informed him that for every Sunday that he missed church, there would be a fine to pay. He, of course, didn't like the idea as much as we did. He couldn't believe that we were going to charge him for not going to church. We told him it was all about perspective. We said, why don't you look at it as a receiving a going to church discount instead? He didn't think that was very funny. And so he tried to argue his way out of it. He was constant, constant. If any of you know my son, you know what I mean. Why do I have to go to church? Why do I have to go to church? Finally, he, he kind of got up. Like I said, why do you care whether I go to church or not? I said, there's two reasons. He said, reason number one, because I love you. Because I know the value of making Jesus the subject of your life. And I will never give up on helping you understand how important that is. Reason number two. Because someday I will stand before God and have to answer for the way that I raised you. And my responsibility before God trumps everything else. That shut him up pretty quick. I'm not saying that what Jay and I did was the right thing for you to do. But I challenge you to answer the question. What are your priorities? Are they lined up with your purpose? Are you teaching your kids to seek God first, to focus on eternal things, or are other activities pushing God to the side? Proverbs 22.6 says, Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Church, God has a blueprint for your life. He's unfolding it before you every day. Nobody else can fulfill your specific purpose. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus, if you have never accepted his gift of forgiveness and salvation, if you haven't made him Lord of your life, it's no accident that you're here tonight listening to a message about God's purpose for your life. 
if we commit to continually examine ourselves in the area of our character, examine our attitudes, setting our priorities straight, we'll begin to carry out God's purpose. We just trust the Holy Spirit to lead us, to empower us, we'll succeed in fulfilling his purpose for our life. But if our priorities look like the rest of the world, if people don't see a difference in the priorities of our lives compared to theirs, we're not fulfilling our purpose. We aren't glorifying God. We're smearing his holy name. We're telling others that he isn't worthy of our time. He isn't worthy of our attention. We talk a lot in the church about outreach. We need to witness to the world. We need to make disciples. We need to be out sharing the gospel. That is true. But outreach starts here. It starts right here in our hearts. And if we aren't setting our personal priorities in such a way that puts God first, if we aren't living in such a way that shows that Jesus is our everything, how are you ever going to reach the people for Christ? It's not going to happen. You lose your witness. You aren't glorifying God. You aren't fulfilling your purpose. And when we aren't fulfilling our purpose, we're left spinning our wheels, heading nowhere fast, running on empty. The only way we're going to make a difference in this world, the only way we're going to see lives transformed, the only way that the Holy Spirit is going to descend on this place is to keep Jesus the subject. He's got to be the subject of our church. He's got to be the subject of our lives, not just on Saturday nights, but every day of the week. He needs to be at the center of all that we do. And we need to live our lives with purpose and making Jesus the subject. He deserves nothing less. I hear a lot of talk about healthy churches. Healthy churches. There's books and books and books about healthy churches. Oh, just fill your church with people. It's a healthy church. A healthy church is not defined by the number of bodies in the building. A healthy church is defined by the relationship of the people in the building with Christ. That's what defines a healthy church. We're never going to make a difference in the world until they see that our lives are different, until they see that our lives are transformed. A church of five committed believers, committed to Jesus Christ, lives transformed all in to live their life for Jesus Christ, will make a bigger impact on the kingdom than a church of a thousand Christians that are just half-hearted into it. What do you guys want to be? Do you want to be the church of five sold out for Christ so we can start a revival right here in South Florida? That we can start transforming people from the inside out? Because that's what I want. And I know God's going to do it. But if you want to be a part of it, you need to be all in. You need to be sold out for Christ. Are you in? Where are your priorities? Where are our priorities? Is he first in your life? Is he first in everything, every aspect of your life? That's 
that's the question we need to ask ourselves. Heavenly Father, I thank you for our time. I thank you for your word. I pray that you empower us, Father. I pray that you encourage us. You give us a courage to make our priorities straight. That you show, you, you shine a light in our, in our hearts, Father. Show us where we need to change. Show us where we need to make those corrections, Father. Give us a courage. Help us to be bold to change, to make you first, to make you our number one priority in all things. Thank you for Jesus. In Jesus' precious name, amen.